HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. Too bad for radio and too good looking for television. And now, here they are, the Nichols and May of the Now Generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Well, good morning, America. <laughs> it's Sunday morning, and I'm in evangelistic fury. I am feeling the joy. I'm feeling the love today. That's because you were never a Christian. And also because your hangover. Get with it, Judy. Today, I have a little hangover. Today, I'm going, I'm going to convert you to two things. Mm-mm. To drinking beer in the shower Mm-mm. and believing in the Lord. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> Very little. We're, There's no atheist like a lapsed Catholic. Oh, man. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. Once again, it's the Mike and Judy Show here on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Roberta's with our very special guest today, Owen Egerton, who's the author of a fantastic book, The Book of Harold. And we are going to talk about God and Harold and Jesus and Jews and the problems of authors on the road. Uh, you've been on tour for a while. Yeah, this is my last stop. Oh, wow. That's a good stop in New York. Where, yeah. where else are you appearing? Anywhere? Uh, yeah, at Solus Bar in the East Village. I'm there tomorrow night. Oh, great. What time? At 7.30. Would you know the address? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Solus Solus. Bar. Use that Google machine, people in Radio yes. Land. Our addresses, do people use addresses anymore? <laughs> they just use phones. Please. Ask Siri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find my soul. That's a very appropriate... Ask Siri, uh, what can we do for Judy's hangover? And Siri says, drink a beer in the shower. It's not that bad a hangover. It's a combination... I drink beer in the shower when I'm not hungover, so I, I don't need to hear these excuses. I'm not a good you multitasker. You need to embrace the beer of the shower. <laughs> yeah, no. There's no other solution for life's... L- these little bumps... I drink These, these arrows beer. that life throws at you, these... Well, okay. Bottle beer. I, I see I, I'm coming late to this, of course. But yeah. I'm obviously very... Um, 
evangelistic about this beer in the shower thing. Beer in the shower. It works. Yeah. It works. And I do, though, preach drinking cans for safety reasons. Oh, that's good. You know, <laughs> although I broke my own rule this, this week because long neck Budweiser's are on sale at the supermarket. So I know safety first. Try not to get too soapy with those bottles because believe me, a broken bottle in the shower is bad news. You need a pl- big plastic cup. And I speak from experience. I, I know, and a kegerator in the shower. Oh, God. Would be amazing. That's true. That would be good. Temperature would be a bit difficult to maintain, but. But let's talk about God. <laughs> Wait, let's let's talk about Owen's book first and how it relates to God. Because at first when I saw the title, I thought it was Harold, that improv thing. Uh. And I was like, oh, Lord, not improv. Sorry. <laughs> A book about improv. Yeah, like oh, that sounds yeah. really great. <laughs> like choose your own torture. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, The Book of Harold, which um, I summed up uh, earlier saying it's sort of about um, the improbable second coming oh, yeah. uh, of, of Jesus. And it's very, very funny. It's, it's a great uh, religious satire. But I think it's um, written not just from a point of um, humor. I mean, it's, it's smart. It's caring. There's some, some love in there. And you yourself uh, did a little stint as a born again. I did. I've done about a stint in every religion I could find. Uh, I'm kind of a religion junkie. In some ways, uh, but yeah, the book's about a guy who's um, he works at a computer firm uh, in the suburbs of Houston, and, and basically during one of those, uh, you know, those semi-annual banquets that they have, in like in a, a, a hotel lobby where they serve dry chicken and watered-down iced tea and soggy broccoli, yeah, and they give awards to all the employees, uh-huh. and make them feel important. Uh, Harold Peaks wins for uh, most improved sales analysis, and he goes up to the front of the room and he accepts his his little plaque and says, "You know, I don't think it's fair that I accept this award, being that I am Christ, the Son of God." And everyone kind of feels awkward, and he walks off the stage. Of course, thirty years later, that's now known as Declaration Day, and uh-huh. believers all around the world celebrate with a feast of dry chicken watered-down iced tea and soggy broccoli. So he basically is a guy who claims to be the second coming of Christ, and, and, and people believe him. Forms and, a and, religion. And why not? Why, yeah. And, and, and why not, really? How is that more weird, you know, less... Weird than the, um, the, the whole Jesus thing? Or the, or the <laughs> uh, what was it, the, the, uh, the spaceships from Scientology? Or right. The, or the Mormon story, which is weird. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, all the religions, like, they, they have brilliant... I, I find them, like... Awesome, uh, bizarre beginnings, and and there's like I, I got to do all this studying of like not only the major ones which are bizarre in their own case, but the smaller ones who didn't make it. <laughs> like, right? They're like the the pop bands. Like who? Like who? Well, there's all these kind of movements. There's the one Mike. There's one. Yeah. There's one really fascinating one, like in about 400 uh, AD, uh, that was uh, around which current day France, and this guy was wandering around this claiming to be the second coming of Christ. And he had a bunch of followers, and they were a happy hippie gang. They would go to town to town performing healings and singing songs of praise. Mm-hmm. And the church, the established church at now this point, didn't know what to do. And he came to this one city. First time they're meeting a, a seated bishop. And the bishop came out of the city gates, and before this guy claimed to be the second coming and performing healings and singing, he knelt before him. And the bishop grabbed his ankles, pulled him to the ground, and stabbed him to death. <laughs> then they took all the followers captured, you know, prisoner, and, and tortured them till they confessed they were empowered by the devil. So really quickly, the group that had, the church that had been established by a guy wandering town to town, right. performing healings and singing songs of praise, now found that someone doing the exact same thing could only be empowered by the devil and was worthy of execution. Ah, oh, uh, religious, nothing like religious fervor, is there? <laughs> oh, Inquisition, how I miss ye. Yeah. Uh, but I like, I like some of the, the uh, more modern cults, like the cult that 
I don't uh, I don't think it's great that they killed themselves but like part of their uniform was Nike sneakers actually, yeah. actually all things considered it probably is great that they killed themselves yeah. um, well Scientology is very successful ka-ching 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 they yeah. seem to be doing okay yeah. took a little bump in the publicity department though recently well, that was a long time coming. Yeah, they'll manage it. I think they'll. And the spaceships are still coming, is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Have you guys actually read Dianetics? No, um, but I used to work in a bookstore and people would come in all the time asking for diuretics. Which <laughs> used to make me laugh really hard. <laughs> uh, it's basically, I mean, aside from uh, some mumbo jumbo about. Um, you know, spaceships and whatnot, and, and it's, it's pretty much a pretty straightforward self-help yeah. book. Yeah, it's just if you actually read this thing, it does make sense to a layperson, and the whole concept—you know—get clear and don't get hung up on emotions and try to put yourself in a nice place. It all makes sense. I mean, it's it's right there for you. Aside from the L. Ron Hubbard, Hubbard, you know, science fiction stuff, it's pretty easy to see why people might latch onto this. Yeah. And I've never actually had the e-meter, as they call it, in my hands. I've seen it done, uh, which is basically like a low-rent polygraph. It works in the same principle. And when you're calm, it shows that you're calm. Right. And when you're agitated, it shows that you're agitated. And when you're talking about, you know, questions that are meant to agitate you, clearly you're not clear and need to pay you know, Scientology to get clear. But it makes sense on a very basic level that we should all kind of be a little bit more worry-free, a little stress-free. Yeah. I personally like to live in the stress-free zone. And a big part of that is drinking beer in the shower. <laughs> That's your own. You gotta believe, Miss McGuire. You gotta believe. <laughs> drinking beer in the shower. Hey, before we go any further, though, you've cut such a great uh, promo trailer yeah. uh, for your book. Yeah, and I thought we, I, I thought we, I thought we would play that. We could talk about book trailers and promoting books, which is hard as fuck to do these days. It's tough climbing out there. But, um, Carlos, why don't we spin... Uh, the uh, rap. What's, does this thing have a name? Actually, uh, I think it's Book of Harold Book Trailer Rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give it a go. I wrote a book, motherfucker, to show some respect, or I used my prose to pimp a cut your neck. I got it right here, totally legit. Ink on the page, not the ebook shit. My sentences are menaces, my chapters are raptors. Over dinner like it, so you know what? I slapped her. Sharper than Vonnegut, meaner than raw. Like Flannery O'Connor, but a little more gone. Just right, it is crying, Amy Bender, I offend her. I slice George Saunders like a literary blender. Tony Morrison says, teach me to write. You're so damn good, I can't believe you're white. More feist than Biden, save your chiding. Rushdie read me and went back into hiding. Edgar's calls and says, how's it going? Your heartbreaking work, I'm staggering away. I guess so, like, get a real guest and we'll get you topic. I'm on my book, y'all. I need to get paid. My wife is in the shower, huffing on the rain. Pipping on my mom, in my kid's mud. Ran out of tuna, mute my own blood. I'm living on the street, I beg and I grovel. I feel like shit, like a Nick Sparks novel. It is amazing. That's the best rapping since Princess Superstar was here. Oh, yeah, we should have had him do it live. <laughs> oh, scratch, yo. So um, you got that out there and uh, selling any books for you? How's it doing? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I don't know if I sell books. Well, um, I'm very you know proud that I am actually responsible for the most watched nonfiction book trailer in history, the legendary Bong guitar video, which is on its way to hitting half a million. Hey, Mike, this is about me. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And it's all, but it's, you know, the problem is, 
piece. I goes, well, let me get to it. Let me oh, get oh to okay, it, okay, okay. Okay, yeah, it's about you. It's, it's not the Owen so and Judy roads, show. Not all yet, All roads lead through Mike. Um, but, you know, but 500,000 views later, it's probably sold like two books. Yeah. Um, and I know that watching people who watch other people smoke pot on the internet probably aren't the biggest book reading public, <laughs> but you would think somewhere there'd be some residual that would have blown up. Yeah. You know, because a lot more people have watched my video than, say, Thomas Friedman's, and he's doing all right. Right. Um, so the, the point is, it's really hard to get attention out there. And you're a performer. Yeah. Uh, you do comedy, you do stand up, um, you did a one man show that was successful. Yeah. Austin loves you. Austin really um, likes me. And, you know, so if you writers, authors are able to bridge that gap um, and I want to know how it's working for you and if you're really you know, moving some books because I found it always weird even being out there doing stuff that there was a disconnect between people between the book and the personality. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to say that I, I, am, I am moving some books. So the book is selling actually pretty well, right. which is really nice. And I think the, the trailer kind of helped but there is that weird thing if people know you for performing and doing comedy that when you come out with a novel, uh, you know, there's a little bit like, well, oh, okay, you can, you oh, can that's make so nice. How sweet, how <laughs> cute that you have a hobby. Uh, and for my, you know, for most of my life, I've always sort of thought I was doing comedy to support myself while I could finish my books. Uh huh. Um, well, this is your second book, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually have another book too that came out, was kind of, kind of quiet about. But yeah, this is my, actually my third book in that way, so. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm just finishing up my fourth. So I've been writing for a long time. And I think it's, it's come around, like in Austin, I think uh, there was a, a lot of surprise when people read it. They're like, well, you know, this is actually a good book. And I'd get people telling me that. Like, I read your book. It was good. It's like, like when you start dating a musician and it's like, oh, wow, your band doesn't suck. Thank <laughs> <yeah>. God. <laughs> uh, well, so it's tough. That's, I, I, fear, I fear that, you know, like um, you're dating a musician or dating a writer. Then what happens if you don't like their work? Well, I mean, could you date a writer whose work you didn't admire? No. No, I couldn't either. I mean, and people say, oh, could you date a writer who was more successful than you? And I'm like, in a heartbeat, of course. Yeah, amazing. That I'd have the, to. That would be the best thing of all time that could happen. <laughs> you know? Well, you, I mean, I'm always hoping to date someone who's smarter and more talented than I am. That's, you know, inc- incredible aphrodisiac. But if some musician who's banned I didn't like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I've <laughs> been there. It's, all, it's ugly. Uh, <laughs> it's like having to bribe your friends to come to shows with you. Yeah. I'll buy you beer all night. I promise. You won't have to pay. Um, it's. Yes, they're not that great, but we get to hang out. And then it happens when you're in the car and their song comes on the next on the shuffle and you skip past it without thinking. What what has happened? Well, you've been on the road for a while. This has been a pretty good tour for you. You've been up and down the West Coast. Yeah, we've been been away from Austin for six weeks now. We we, uh, we did a book tour, uh, took a train from Austin. We did Austin to Houston and then went out, me and my my wife, who is smarter than me, and, uh, and we took the train all the way to L.A., Oh my god! And did events there, and then San Francisco, and did events there, and on to Portland and Seattle, and then we flew out here. And how's that going, traveling with uh, your wife? It's a long time to be on the road together. Yeah, with the kids too, and we're wow. We're it. Oh. If it's just me and my wife, that would be we that'd be great. <laughs> it's, it's great with the kids too, but it's been it's been a wild adventure. Actually, they're they're putting up with it pretty well. We we kind of the way to survive Austin is because Austin, I love Austin. It's my favorite place in the world, but it's to leave for at least two months of the summer. And then you can really love Austin. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's just... Well, I mean, here, it's you're lucky. It's nice here now, but yeah. it's been really disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Well, always, and no matter what the weather is, the secret to living in New York City is getting the fuck out once in a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the only way I can survive living in New York City, which, you know, I have a 
love hate relationship with like you know most people who live here but you know you can't even see the fucking horizon here you know right. it's like claustrophobe skyscraper claustrophobia yeah. well I live out in big sky country so oh I yeah big sky yeah. country of uh, <laughs> that'll be the, the Graham <laughs> Avenue stop <laughs> no it's a Bedford Avenue stop <laughs> I live near the water yeah um, so so you said you you, you were a believer um, has yeah. researching all these religions made you more or less of a Gaudy person. You know, this book took a, a, a while to write, and paralleled with me writing this particular novel, uh, I totally left the Christianity. Mm-hmm. Totally left. I'm still. I mean, I'm still a religion junkie. Um, but do, do you fear hell all the time? No. <laughs> You, Judy? No. Maybe you should start. No. I'm perfectly content with knowing I'm going to be This atheism thing is bullshit. I, you know I don't subscribe to this. Here it is. It's just too... Oh, it's what just are your feelings c- on atheism? It's just too cynical for me. <laughs> Why would you want to close that door? Why don't you want to just let a little bit of light shine in? I don't push it on... I don't push atheism on other people. I'm pushing God on you right yeah. here, right now. That's an image. <laughs> there's no God is not having his way with just, me. I know. It's an unanswered question. You know, you know why I know there, there's God? Because of giraffes. Basically, <laughs> explain a fucking giraffe if there were no God. I think Kirk Cameron had a similar episode about <laughs> the very thing. You know, I, I tell you where I've been doing along the way of doing the book tour. I do the show that I do at the Alamo Draft House in Austin. Mm-hmm. They're going to have one here too, uh, called the Best of God, where I've collected like all these outrageous best slash worst religious films and music videos and all kinds of crazy stuff over the last hundred years or so, and. Uh, and I, I got to this point where I, this is kind of how I think about like atheism. I think fundamentalism in all its different uh, incarnations is kind of unhealthy for the person and unhealthy for the culture. But it happens that they're also the loudest speakers and maybe the most interesting to listen to. So like in the American culture right now, the, the people we most hear from are at the polls. They're like not just atheists. I know a, a lot of atheists, but they're also atheists who like and religion is bad and should be banned. Well, I find well, most I atheists like what that. they really hate is organized religion. Yeah. They're not against spirituality. They're not against yeah, in I some way acknowledge, acknowledging acknowledging <laughs> yeah, the things that we don't know or why we're here. There's a higher purpose, and without living in fear, which would be the Christian and specifically, you know, uh, well, lots of sects of Christianity, but living in fear, yeah, you know, and your behavior here should be uh, based on fear of the afterlife, yeah, and and, and a binary system of, of black or white by the time it's done, basically. Yeah. Whereas uh, most of the atheists I know are the kindest people I know because they, they do think all they have is here, and so they try to do right by other people. I mean, they're very humane, and they're not doing it for a reward in the afterlife. They're doing it because they want to help people. Which is, so what, I, I, what I'd say is, like, I've seen brilliant, compassionate people all over, and most of them live between the poles. <laughs> you know, some of them definitely at the poles, but most of us are outside of that cold place on either poles where they're like they're living in the moment, or they are wrestling with ideas of afterlife, or they're they're all the way in between. And I think a lot of them, maybe I've been calling myself lately, over, I late say lately about the last week, an awist, is because I think most of us are like. In, in awe of giraffes, of giraffes and sunsets, or babies being born, or pizza, beer, and the power and, of beer in the shower, and power of beer in the shower, which is not a statement of theology or dogma, nor is a statement of inclusiveness or exclusiveness or of punishment, and maybe is a call, just like you're saying, to be living right now in the now, and I'm, that's a, so where I stand. I'm, I, I think I'm now I'm an awist. I, okay, I like it. I <laughs> Who knows what will happen by the and, time you get back to Austin? And, you know. <laughs> 
for, and for whatever, I mean, Judy, I mean, you are as kind and generous um, a person as I've e- ever met. Um, and, I know, and I know, no, I know in your heart of hearts, you're not cold, you're not shutting out how special life is, which is part of it. But I just think the self-described atheism, I know what you hate is the church and you hate all the bad that comes with dogma and intolerance, which none of, nobody in this room can, can stand for, right? Zero tolerance for intolerance. But I just, I hate someone who's as lightened in you in every other possible way to say, gee, there's nothing beyond this. There's nothing bigger than that. And an atheist says to me, I know the answers. No, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't pretend to know the answers. I'm just, I just don't believe in a big guy in the sky. Well, nothing is quite as literal as that. Tell you what, guys, let's take a break. Um, uh, we'll eat some pizza. We'll drink some beer, which is reasons number two and three why I know there's a God. And we'll come back and we'll talk uh- about the Book of Harold with uh, Owen. It's the Mike and Judy Show. This is uh, Blind Willie Johnson. Well, who's that riding? Mike and Judy Show streaming live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's here in Bushwick. Have you ever been to Bushwick before? Yeah, I have. It's I, God's country. It's the promised land. I'm going to get a tight shirt and new tattoo. <laughs> Call myself hip. Hipsters. Well, now, often, there's a cult for you. There's a religion for you. Yeah. Who is their god? Who is the hipster god? That's a good question. Oh, God. It's, well... Char- Charles Bukowski, Henry Miller are their literary gods. Still? Bukowski still, still wins? Bukowski? I, I thought he so. kind of went out of favor a little bit you know, oh, yeah? with the younger crowd. I don't know. It's hard to vibe. Um, do people still read William Burroughs the way when I was younger and coming up in this whole discovery process? I mean, Bukowski, William yeah. Burroughs, um, Henry Miller. Yeah. Um, no, this is not, even... not as... Uh, Easily engaging to me anyway. Henry Miller never was. I found yeah. the books a little, little more difficult. Not that William Burroughs is easy, but William Burroughs is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> do do hipsters actually read? I think they just carry books, right? Um, some read, but yeah, I think the carrying. I was in when I first moved to Williamsburg, like I don't know, like sixteen years ago or something. I was in the L Cafe one day, which was like the first hipster cafe in Williamsburg, 
And there were like four people reading four different editions of On the Road. I was like, wow. <laughs> well, you, know, that's, you know, honestly, not a really boring book. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Jack Kerouac, whatever. I mean, you know, I have it on good authority that he voted for Eisenhower. <laughs> you know, that he was full of fucking shit. I knew this guy um, who was from Lowell, Massachusetts. He was like, he was old guy at the bar. Yeah. Right? And this old man's bar, when I was a proto-hipster, like we all were, you know, I mean, <laughs> I guess we, we have... Uh, only ourselves to blame. <laughs> I mean, no, what would you have thought of me if you saw me in a bar with my Loretta Lynn record that I just bought on the street reading <laughs> William Burroughs sitting at the bar? Yeah. This is like 1983 and it wasn't a whole lot of me back then. You right. know? That Pre- just- Pre-internet, you didn't know. Like, yeah. I mean, it was harder to be cool because you had to work for it. As it always should be. But the old guy at the bar who um, drank half beer and half tomato juice, uh, yeah. right? Um, which is oddly something I do now all the time. Except now I call it a michelada. And then it was just <laughs> now like, you're oh. the old guy at the bar. Exactly. And he was from Lowell Massachusetts and he'd say tell me his stories about Jack trying to ride his lawnmower to uh, the liquor store like George Jones style yeah. like, always stealing his shoes so he can go to the liquor store and the last thing he says like I fucker wrote, voted for Eisenhower because you know what writers are all full of shit uh. <laughs> <laughs> I always carry that with me through, <laughs> through so, a so called career but it's not about me today oh <laughs> don't <laughs> wait so so you, are you from Austin originally uh, no originally my family's from England oh okay uh, but I got to Austin uh, my family moved to Texas when I was a, a kid and we I moved to Austin in 91 so I've been there a while mm-hmm. and I, li- I so, like that town so, so what's up with Austin I, I mean I've been there a number of times had some great times um, in Austin it's a town that's certainly very in love with itself it can be a little <laughs> precious let's be honest <laughs> it, it, well how can you not be in love with yourself when you're Austin I've never been still <laughs> Well, you know, the thing about Austin is, like, they have those bumper stickers. It says, keep Austin weird. Yeah. Okay, to me, if, if you want to be weird, the first thing you got to stop doing is stop trying. Yeah. It's like the worst, you know, if you want to be cool, the worst thing you can do is try to be cool. Yeah, that's true. You know, so that's already, I got a little burn in my saddle with Austin over those sure. bumper stickers. Um, yeah, but, we, you know, people from New York sort of have a superiority complex. Well, fuck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pay a high premium to be like East Coast elite Jew liberal educated whatever the fuck it is I am. <laughs> not that it's free to live in Austin either, right? I mean, no, it's not... it's still pretty cheap though. I mean, that's one of the cool things about Austin is like um, you can still live there and you know write for a living, mm-hmm. and you can still like there's a lot of folks who do music full time, and it's 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 getting more expensive, but it's still affordable to like live and do whatever creative stuff you want to do full time. What about during South by Southwest? Do the natives leave town? No, you know, I tell you what, it's kind of, I love South by Southwest. I, I, I usually have to do film stuff and like panels and stuff, which is fun because uh, I write screenplays. But during the music stuff, it's, I love that time and I, I don't get a badge. I don't get a wristband or anything, but the best shows in town are the free shows. And basically Austin started at some point saying, okay, this is no longer our fest to fest that happens in town. So let's make our fest around it. So every video store, laundry mat, whatever, people's front yards everywhere has a parking lot that has put up a stage, gotten a keg, and is putting their own shows on. And they're inviting these out-of-town bands to do shows or local show, local bands to do shows. And you can just walk. You just walk in the direction of a sound you like, and you're going to catch great bands for free and have a beer. So it's a great part See, of town. That, everyone I know who goes is so cynical about it, but you make it sound very fun. Well, I think it's a better experience if you're if you don't have a badge. Right. I think like you're gonna have a more authentic time. Oh, but that's the wrong word. You're gonna have a better time uh, if you if you don't have your badge. Right. This is definitely a good time to be had in Austin. There's no question yeah. about it. Austin is definitely a good time city, um, and the convention is after 
all a convention. Yeah. And it's there to service people in the industry and promote people. And uh, I've been there. I mean, I found it like, you know, this giant sort of like herds of people moving from club to club. Um, Austin closes a little bit earlier, too, right? Austin's yeah. done at one or two in the morning. Two o'clock, yeah. Right. Closes up. Right. And That's sensible. Well, you know what? Not, <laughs> not when you got two more bands to see. And, you know, New York, I like the four o'clock. Yeah. Level, you know? Um, I've always found myself like just too many things happening, and then like boom, curtain comes down too, and they're hardcore about it down there. They're pretty hardcore. In fact, last time I was, I was down there um, doing a gig with uh, my old band, The Ron Chance, I uh, almost got arrested for jaywalking, which is pretty shocking. Really? Some fucking cop, right? You know he's like 23 years old, yeah. right? And literally grabs me by the scruff of my neck and the seat of my pants as I'm sort of crossing across the light with a friend of mine who's also from New York, who lives in Austin. Um, just going down 6th Street, just sort of dum-de-dum-de-dum. He goes, jaywalking, let me see some ID. From New York, are you, son? Well, we know you don't cross the light against the light down there because we know what would happen. You'd die the way people drive. Yeah, right. Because, because you know, you know how you tell a tourist in New York? They're the ones that actually watch the traffic signs. Well, yeah, when I was in street. Seattle, they're like that, too. Even if there's no cars anywhere, like, Fuck. my friends wait for the light. And it's like, Fucking 23-year-old cops telling me I'm going to find you a new place to sleep tonight unless you start watching the traffic lights. Whoa. Okay, Michael, which I fucking hate because I hate it when people call me by my first name, like cops and customs agencies. Mr. Edison is the appropriate way to address me. When I'm 20 fucking years older than you, son. Oh, gosh. I'll make a note of that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're okay. You can call me Mike. Oh. So what is your what is your next book about? Um, I'm just finishing up a book about uh, the last four days of life on planet Earth. It's about the end of Earth. Well, okay. More religion. The yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. Okay, Alpha and Omega. Your book yeah. ending this whole thing. Yeah. Is Harold in this book, too? No, it's not a sequel in any kind of way. But there's like a hermit crab who becomes the last great... Uh, prophet of all time and, and there's Jesus clones and uh, there's a Christian rock band that has a crossover hit with uh, gay clubs all across America and there's, there's some good stuff What? Um, tell us because we only have a couple minutes what about your event tomorrow night you said it's similar to the shows you do in Austin oh uh, yeah and I'm not doing the best of God t- tomorrow night That's I usually do that at movie theaters right. and uh, tomorrow night is just it's at a bar it's kind of the rap party I'm going to read some from the book um, and uh, and just sort of hang out <laughs> right, we go see you because uh, Book of Harold uh, is the new book by Owen Egerton. It really, it really is great. Um, oh, thanks. Really, really been enjoying Mr. Edison. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get to call him Mike. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Have a beer in the shower, okay? With me later. <laughs> Ooh, How does Harold feel about that sort of thing? Harold probably doesn't care. Yeah. He'd be all for it. He'd join us in the shower. Hey, save water. Have a beer in the shower with a friend is what I always say. Um, but seriously, uh, um, the book of Harold soul, is... Soulless Bar tomorrow night. Soulless? So, so, oh, I hadn't thought about yeah. that. It's S-O-L-A-S. The signs are all around you. The signs oh. are all around you. I, see, I misheard you. I thought it was soul, like soul-free. Like Not the so, but devil bar. Wow. That's your atheistic leanings. Yes. Too bad the scrap bar not that. open for, for some god. Where, where is this bar? In the East Village, you say? It's he in the East know. Village. Eville. S-O-L-A-S. Eville, as we say here. Okay, the soulless bar of the Eville. Oh, wow. The signs are the all signs around are us. there. Are you guys going to come? I'll buy you a drink if you do. I'm going to try to come. I'm supposed to go to bingo with some ladies. <laughs> I swear to God. Oh, is, that, is that like hipster bingo? <laughs> it's with Murray Hill. It'll be fun. That's how, what could be more hip than that? <laughs> but it's Guilty. on a roof. Jacuzzi. And there's supposed to be thunderstorms. So if there are thunderstorms, we will move the party there. And there you know, we go. I'm supposed to see um, a soulless flock of men called the Mets tomorrow. Oh, but uh, oh. if the good Lord's willing and it rains on them, I'll be seeing you tomorrow night in the evil at the soulless bar. Well, let's pray for rain. All right. Once again, it's been the 30 
<laughs> As the sober one here, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet today. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking it coming and going today. Uh, for Mike and Judy, it's Mike Edison and uh, Owen Egerton, who wrote the Book of Harold. It's very funny. Please go out and buy it. Um, let's all go out and get some religion. Here's Johnny Cash. We're going to ride the Bible train now. No, some won't ride but we're going to get on the Bible train. Some ride, but not all the way. The Bible train is in the yard now, and it's waiting, and oh, it looks so good. But you might get bored and impatient waiting like those two good brothers over there. They passed around the bottle in the car before they got on the train. Just want to take one more for the road, and that leads to something else. Well, they ain't on the train no more. And maybe nine or ten got off with them. There's a sister in the church, and she says to her friend, Your husband will 